Welcome to another episode of Farmers Inside Track, where we unpack the crucial topics impacting farmers across Mzanzi. I'm your host, Dawn Umdu, and today we're turning our attention to a matter that's not only relevant to SA farmers, but a challenge for livestock farmers around the globe, heat stress. Our guest is Dr. Klaas Jan Liu, researcher for ruminant nutrition at the Agricultural Research Council. Dr. Klaas-Jan van Liu, thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track. I really have had so much, you know, joy in working with you over the past few months. I think it could almost be close to a year now. Just getting insights in terms of the work that you're doing at the Agricultural Research Council with some of your colleagues as well through our continuous, you know, information sharing with developing farmers in Mzanzi. And I am really happy to welcome you back onto this platform. How have you been? Thank you for the invite, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you and you know share my information with, with your listeners. It's quite a privilege. Thank you. And today's topic is actually something that many farmers deal with, and it can never be overlooked, especially because it can lead to so many losses and overall productivity on farm level, and that's to do with heat stress and the impact of heat stress, specifically when it comes to livestock production. And maybe you can just tell us more about, you know, how does heat stress impact the overall well-being and productivity of livestock? Are there certain species that are more susceptible than others? Heat stress does definitely have an impact on productivity. In cattle, for example, depending if it's beef cattle or dairy cattle, the effect will be larger in dairy cattle because they drink quite a lot of water and they have to eat a lot more than beef cattle. So heat stress or exposure to excessive heat and sunlight will make the animals eat less. And in that way, your cattle start performing less. So in dairy cattle, we see it in reduced milk production. And in beef cattle, uh, weight gain might be affected. That is, of course, also not good for the farmers. Darker skin breeds like your Drakensburger, for example, and your exotic breeds, Herefords, for example, they are severely affected by these higher temperatures. As Herefords are used to colder climates, they also battle in heat conditions, eye problems, for example, as well. So it plays a definite role, and more adaptive breeds such as the Nguni, Turi, and Afrikaner, they are more uh, resistant to this heat than your exotic breeds. And when we look at small stock, for example, your goats are also very hardy and they seem to be able to handle the heat a lot better. And then also your indigenous sheep are more able to handle the heat. That's basically it in terms of, you know, what kind of animals are most accessible. Thank you so much for that overview and also just context in terms of which species are more susceptible than others. And I think you've touched on some of the kind of behavioral indicators of heat stress, but are there any key, you know, psychological or behaviors of heat stress in livestock that farmers should be aware of? And how can they kind of effectively recognize these signs in their animals? Recognize it early enough. I think that's the other thing. So how can we identify heat stress in livestock? So that's basically by firstly observe and taking note of your weather conditions through either the weather services reports that are shared with the public or your own experience and your own farm uh, situation. You might have maybe a temperature gauge and then you look at that and then you have a basic idea of what the temperature is at that moment. So how to see it in livestock itself? So there is panting like open mouth breeding 
increased respiration rate. So we're talking about more than 60 breaths per minute. And of course, you don't have to look at an animal for one minute and count at the same time. If you do it, for example, for six seconds, and there are more than 10 breaths in those 10 seconds, then, then you already know it's more than 60 breaths per minute. We might also see where we have water ponds uh, that the animal's drinking from. The animals are, tend to spend more time to drink water. It's a way that the animal can cool down by drinking more water. It is up on the farms to make sure that the water is always clean and fresh in that situation. Because when it's very hot, animals do intend to drink a lot more water. There is also a loss of appetite, especially during the day. So we might see the animals trying to hide and maybe be out of the sun where possible. Or they just stand in the shade if possible and they're not really going to eat. So basically visible when you look at our feed troughs you know, on the farm, if they're eating from the feed trough during the day, they tend to leave the feed more often and start eating early morning or during the night. Then there is, of course, a listlessness or lethargy, where the animals are just, you know, uh, their heads stay down. When you approach them, they don't want to look at you. They're just too tired to lift up their heads to see who's coming. Um, also, we might see increased salivation. So there is sputum around the mouth and breathing heavily, and they have a lack of water. And that is not a very good sign, and it's always you need to take note of that and make sure the animals have access to clean water at all times. In most severe cases, animals can become unconsciousness due to the heat load inside the animal. So they are just having a heat stroke, and then you're basically already too late to help the animals. That is basically, in short, uh, how you can recognize this uh, heat stress in, in your livestock by observing them and then taking appropriate measures to make sure that they are not further challenged by the heat. Are there any specific management practices or infrastructure adjustments that can help mitigate the effects of heat stress in livestock? Yeah. Particularly in regions, people are aware of the high temperatures. So what can one do? The easiest way to have maybe a few taller trees on your farm in your paddocks to make sure that the animals can hide from the sun. Basically, they're because they separate water. So between the leaves, there is a higher concentration of water, which cools down the air. And that makes the animals prefer standing underneath the trees to get away from the sun. Where there are no trees available, we have to look at artificial shade provision. That can be with movable structures, probably the best way to go where we have either a roof structure or a shade netting structure that we can move around with the animals to maybe different spots. These shade structures can help the animals, but they must be of a certain height because underneath that shade, your heat can get trapped, if, especially if there is no wind. And if your shade structure is too close to the ground and they are not working and your animals will stay away from these shade structures and rather stay out in the open. Because underneath the shade, it can be too hot. So your minimum height, for example, for small stock from these shades, about two or three meters. Because the first one meter underneath the roofing of that shade structure captures all the heat. And if you have it too close to the ground, the animals are standing in that heat, which is higher in temperature than outside of the shade structure. For cattle, we're looking at about three to four meters height of a shade structure. So that is some of the requirements. And also for dairy cows, four to five square meter of shade per animal. And for beef cattle, about three to four square meter per animal. And you will 
provide about 75% of your herd with shade because there's always a congregation and, and some of the animals are not always underneath this structure. And coming back to the trees, I think if thunderstorms, it might be good to have a, because sometimes lightning can strike those trees and then if you have the trees underneath, that might be a problem. I know that there are various, you know, other factors besides the heat that one needs to consider. And so thank you so much for that context. Now, can you elaborate on the potential economic implications of heat stress in livestock production, including factors of reduced fertility, growth rates, and when it comes to dairy farming, milk production? And then also, I'm not sure if I understood you correctly, but you said that you should try to help the animal once it's not in a state of heat stress. Is there a way to bring them back from that or do they die? I'm not actually sure what the severity of it is. If you could just give us some context for that as well, please. An animal becomes unconsciousness. It's very difficult. I think, first of all, provide a shade structure over the animal so that there's no further increase in heat load in the animal and maybe try and cool it down with water. Apply water on top of the animal to make sure it starts cooling down. Because the animal is unconscious, it, it will not be able to drink. So a stomach tube to get some water inside the animal can be advisable. That water should have some electrolytes in it. But I think it's best to consult a veterinarian and make sure that you get the right type of treatment based on veterinarian advice. May lose fertility, so there is a potential reduction in fertility. And we have to remind ourselves that, you know, our basic main mating season is around February for most farmers. That is usually a very heat stressed period as well. So there is a reduction in fertility in both cows and bulls and that we need to take consideration of. Uh, so it's always good to try and prevent that. The other one is a reduction in milk production. Due to heat stress, the animals tend to drink less water because, you know, they eat quite a lot and... If they are digesting their food, it is also heat producing. We need to make sure that the animals can also eat during the night when there is low temperatures or early morning to reduce the heat load inside the animal. Uh, that way we might mitigate some of these production losses. Also with beef cattle, feeding during the night, especially when we're talking about feedlots or production feeding, then nightly or early morning feeding is more advisable. Different advantages here uh, by providing shade in terms of weight gains, and that was from American studies now that I'm reporting, you had 20% more weight gain in cattle. And if you provide shade by the trees, it was almost like 60% increase in weight gain compared to where there was no shade. And then if you look at another university that is reported on dairy cows, and that is from Florida, so that is like our East Coast temperatures and the Southern Cape, they had a 10 to 19% mere production of milk as compared to without shading. So there is definitely a benefit in terms of production to provide shade. Also, your fertility, the percentage of cows that get pregnant, almost 40% higher if you provide shade. So there is definitely benefits that have been proven by providing shade to the animals. Thanks so much for that. And I really appreciate all of the insights. I think there's lots of practical things one must do and one must be aware of in all things agriculture. But I think prevention is better than cure, I think, when it comes to this one. I think you have touched on it, you know, throughout our conversation already. But if you could just talk about, you know, in the face of climate change, how can farmers proactively adapt their livestock management strategies? to cope with rising temperatures and the increased frequency of heat stress events? 
in terms of, of management strategies, as I said earlier, you know, you change your feeding times or your availability of feeds during cooler periods of the day, whether early morning or uh, in later in the night is a first option. Also, when you have to work with your animals, do it early morning, like before eight o'clock in the summertime. This can help reduce the heat load because when we work with our cattle, even small stock, we stress them. They have to run around. The heart rate goes up. And so the heat load inside the animal is increasing. If we do it like two o'clock in the afternoon, then the animal's already hot. And then we increase the heat load on the animal by moving it around to try and work with those animals. So therefore, it's always better to make sure you can work with the animals early morning and also make sure that your facilities are in a good working condition so that you don't have to work, uh, waste time and keep the animals for a longer period at the handling facilities. Make sure that it's a very short period so they can be in the shade or in the pasture and not running around in your crush pen. Thank you so much for your, your time once again, Dr. Klaus, and also just amazing work um, again that you guys are doing at the ARC. Is there anything else that you'd like to add as we wrap up the conversation? In terms of your animal health issues, always talk to the veterinarian. Uh, if you can talk to a feed company, then I have them uh, help you also with the right nutrition for your animals. The more concentrated your nutrition is, the lower the heat load of that feed for your animals. And also coming back to that feed as well. During periods of heat stress, the animal loses a lot of electrolytes through the skin by trying to cool down through sweat and urine. So it's very important that you replace those electrolytes. So during periods of heat stress, you need to make sure you get the right amount of electrolytes in their feed and maybe even a certain more than normal so that your animals are better weaponized almost like against the heat stress. A big thanks to our expert, Dr. Klaus Jan Liu researcher for ruminant nutrition at the Agricultural Research Council. Thank you so much for shedding light on the complexities of heat stress in livestock. Remember, knowledge is the first step towards better animal welfare. If you found today's episode insightful, don't forget to subscribe to stay tuned for more on all things agriculture. From me, Donumdu, our technical producer, Megan van der Fent, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi, happy farming. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.